mirror and tell me what you see. You see Junior. You see Junior. Well, you want to know what I see? I see pride. I see power. I see a badass mother who don't take no crap of nobody. You really see all that? Yeah, man. But it's not about what I see. It's about what you see. Now look in this mirror and tell me again what you see. <clears throat> well, I see... Pride! Pride? Right. Power! Power! I see a badass mother who, who don't take, take no, no crap off of nobody. Again, I see pride. Can't hear you. I see power. I see a badass mother who won't take no crap off of nobody. Once again, I see pride. Junior, I see power. I see a badass mother who won't take no crap off of nobody. That's right, That's right, Junior Beville. Wait, what? Where are you going? Hey, y'all. Welcome to the I Am Canem Sativa podcast. I am your host, Dan Scotland. If you're currently a medical marijuana patient and want to tell your story and be featured on the podcast, feel free to email me at iamcanvasativa at gmail.com. Feel free to hit me up on Instagram at iamcanvasativa. Feel free to check out our official Twitter account at iccativapod. You can also find and subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, Overcast, Radio Public, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and the Google Play Music Store. Please rate and review us on iTunes, as rating and reviewing us will bum up the pod on their algorithm and put this podcast in front of even more eyeballs. If you like what we are doing and you find yourself coming around often, please become a Patreon supporter of this podcast and support us. By supporting us, this helps us to keep the lights on, pay rent, pay for hosting, equipment, and travel. You can do this by going to https anchor.fm slash podcast slash support. You can also support me now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash podcasts. You can support the podcast for as little as $1 a month. We also have a $5 tier if you're feeling extra generous. Hey y'all, Mrs. Sativa here. I hope you guys are having a very good one. As usual, I can be found on these following um, channels. I can be found on Spotify, um, iTunes, CastBox, Podbean, Radio Public, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and other platforms like it. So today's episode, um, so as we know, um, last week, um, last week, Virginia has gotten, has officially gotten unified control of all three branches of their government. So they're, so the, um, the House of Delegates, the Democrats have, 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 see, have, have, have taken control of that. And the state Senate, the the Democrats have also taken control of that too. So now that the Dems have taken control, um, all these bills for decriminalization or expungement or even expanded medical have died along party line votes in committee and haven't even gone to to see um, Governor Northam's desk. 
But now in 2020, when these delegates are seated and when um, these senators are seated, you're going to be able to get these priorities done. You're going to be able to get things like expungement done. You're going to be able to do simple decriminalization because the governor wants that. The government governor is for that and that hasn't landed on his desk. And officials, Democrats in, in, that have been there have been for that. But being as Republicans have controlled both chambers, you couldn't really push through any of these things um to 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 get through and you couldn't really you, you couldn't really um make traction or get traction on these issues but next year you're going to be able to do that so i'm going to read an article to sort of to sort of um put this in in, in perspective here and um there i am <laughs> all right Okay, so this is a Medium article, and it was written by J. Robert Fallon III. How marijuana legalization is becoming the key factor in upcoming Virginia elections. October 1st, 2019, Virginia Attorney General Mark Herring hopped on social media and tweeted out his support for the legalization of recreational marijuana in his state of Virginia. The level of transparent support caught the attention of the media and is now the new norm for traditionally conservative states. The tweet read, Virginians know we can do better. It's time to move towards legal, regulated adult use, Herring said. Herring also retweeted a study showing that well over half of Virginians agree with pro his pro-cannabis position. In Virginia, marijuana reform has routinely become stalled session after session. Yet on Tuesday, November 5th, the election results of the House and State Senate shook matters up for Virginia politics. Virginia Democrats won both the House of Delegates and the State Senate. All 140 seats were on the ballot, opening huge doors for potential candidates. After voting, results showed that the Democrats took full control of the Virginia state government for the first time since 1994. Voters in the state also elected several reform-minded prosecutors, including Parisa Tigani Tafti and Stephen Descano, who pledged his office would not prosecute low-level cannabis offenses. Buta B. Raj, I'm probably butchering that, also won her bid for prosecutor position in the Commonwealth and agreed that nobody should be incarcerated for marijuana possession. The new composure and ideology of the legislature look to bode well for the potential passing of future cannabis reform. Herring's support of legalization and his infamous tweet led to him becoming the first officially declared Democratic candidate for governor in 2021 the tweet led to him to led him to becoming the first officially declared democratic candidate for governor in the 2021 gubernatorial election his support makes sense considering his constituents obvious opinion and the fact that washington dc has legalized cannabis along with other neighboring states west virginia and maryland 
enacting medical marijuana laws. But West Virginia's laws, their 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 um, dispensaries and their program is not up and running yet, and may not be up and running for a while. Um, it was supposed to be up and running this year, but you know, due to due to lawmaker foot dragging and regulator foot dragging by by the GOP and such, they they don't have their program right now. They're and their program only really allowed for pills, oils, and um, I think uh, maybe vaporization. But you didn't have whole flour in, in, in their bill that passed. But um, anywho, the retweeted study Herring subsequently posted after his first tweet was posted was published in September again by the University of Mar Mary Washington. It stated that 61% of Virginians support the legalization of recreational marijuana, while 34 oppose legalization. All other respondents said they would rather not answer. This is a notice, noticeably large rise in opinion from a past UMW study that was conducted in 2017, just two years prior, showing only 39% of Virginians supported legalization. This highlights the new progressive attitude of Virginia. The latest 2019 Mary Washington survey demonstrates, to quote Bob Dylan, the times are changing in the Old Dominion, stated Stephen J. Farnsworth, professor of political science at University of Mary Washington and is also the director of the Center of Leadership and Media Studies. Overall, the recreational use of marijuana is now more widely accepted. This allows for marijuana reform to gain true voting influence when politicians are campaigning, especially in Virginia, where the people are fed up with current marijuana policies and laws. Such politicians are suddenly having to adapt. Those f looking for votes have had to become more upfront, knowledgeable, transparent on their views on surrounding marijuana legalization. This is why the topic is already being brought up for the upcoming 2021 gubernatorial elections. Stephen Farnsworth says he believes legalization is still several years away, but all we know is there's never been a precise timeline and it can change suddenly. Winning the support of younger voters can be key, he added. 80% of Virginia's youth is for the is in favor of recreational marijuana, Farnsworth said. Mark Herring, who's who's seen the who's seen as the Democratic front runner for the 2021 gubernatorial elections, has voiced his support for the decriminalization of marijuana. Michael Kelly, Herring's director of communications, said via email that the attorney general believes that Virginia needs to decriminalize possession of small amounts of marijuana take action to address past convictions and move towards a legal regulated adult use in Virginia. These are powerful words as 90% of marijuana related arrests in Virginia last week were for possession alone. Arrests for marijuana possession have increased 115% from 2003 to 2017, according to a press release from the Virginia, from the Virginia attorney general's office. On top of this amazing rise in minor possession arrests, first-time marijuana convictions in Virginia have risen from 53% in, tw in 2008 to, t to 2017, with the law and legal enforcement costs estimated to exceed $81 million a year. A waste of $81 million ruining the lives over a plant.
The system and the war on drugs has failed Virginians as it has for the rest of American constituents, and they're tired of it. They're calling upon their political leaders, and those leaders are feeling the pressure. It will be interesting to see the results of the 2021 gubernatorial election and how Virginia marijuana legislation plays out in the near future. Cheers. J. Robert Fallon III. So, um, what I'm going to do now is um, I'm going to scroll over to the normal website and I'm going to read what I feel or what normal feels is an what would compose of an ideal medical marijuana program and what a good medical marijuana program that is favorable towards patients, that is cost effective, that provides a lot of choice and that provides a lot of freedom and protects the rights of patients and those who choose to use it as medicine. So I'm going to read this. It's a, it's a bit long. I do think I do think it's necessary. And um, part of why I think it's necessary and um, I'm, this isn't going to be the first time I read this because um, um, we're going to I'm going to do another sort of brainstorming session with um, with um, I'm going to try to do another sort of brainstorming session similar to this, but with New York and 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 um, getting activists and getting listeners in New York mobilized to get a more ideal program. Because as we know, New York already has medical, but their program they only have vape carts, um, tinctures, oils, capsules. Um, I don't. I don't even know if they have edibles, but it's very. It's very expensive. It's very unworkable. But now that we have unified control in in Virginia, we can advocate. Now that the Dems control things, now we can advocate for a more ideal program. We can advocate for whole flower. We can advocate for home grow. We can advocate for craft cannabis. We can advocate for a whole bunch of other other components, which will make. The program worthwhile but i'm gonna read this in the new york episode as well too you know i i do feel that as activists we need better sort of message discipline look it up if you don't know what that is but i i do feel that we need to we need to all synchronize our talking points we all need to stay on the ball with our talking points and we all need to we all need to be saying similar if not unified codified things we all need to sort of we all need to sort of be on code and, you know, kind of like how, kind of, kind of like a, like, like, like how the mafia is. They, you know, they have a code of conduct. They have certain tenets that they want and certain tenets that they're very adamant about. And if the members don't play ball. They're out. You know, we need to have the same talking points, whether we're advocating for medical or adult use. We all need to be unified in our talking points. And I'm going to read this from normal. And um, I, I do feel that we we need to use resources like normal, Americans for Safe Access. All of those resources are, are very good aids in um, allowing us as activists and listeners to know, know the right things to say and to be able to synchronize our points. And again, once if we have like a unified message, if if if. If let's say 10,000 people are writing in Virginia are writing to their lawmakers saying 
these exact same things for what they want in a medical program when 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 the legislator meets up next year if 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 all of us are saying these exact same things they're going to have to listen they're going to be like they're organized they're competent they know what they're talking about they want all the same things they've been saying they've been blowing up our inbox about these same five things they're going to have to listen and and we're going to get it enacted into law when we're organized and when we're saying the same stuff so you're going to hear this in, on, on various different episodes, but um, I, I, I need to drill it home for all of us so we can have organized talking points and get our goals achieved. So let's, let's actually read this. Core attributes of a patient-centric medical cannabis regulatory program. So this is what we could push for, and this is what the sky could look like in Virginia next year. As more states legislatively address the topic of regulating medical cannabis access to distribution, Normal has seen a shift away from patient-centric programs and towards more politically expedient policies. The latter programs are neither evidence-based, nor do they adequately address patients' needs. Normal contends that an effective patient-centric, evidence-based medical cannabis program must include the following core tenets. Access to whole plant cannabis, limited taxes and fees, wide latitudes for doctors to decide treatment regimens, regimens, personal cultivation rights, employment protections, and other reasonably civil statutory protections. Patients must legally be able to obtain and possess herbal formations of whole plant cannabis that may be administered via inhalation and vaporization. Their therapeutic choices must not be limited solely to orally administrated cannabis derived extracts, oils, or pills. Some states impose regulatory or some states impose arbitrary legal restrictions on the types of cannabis products that are available or their intended route of administration. Specifically, a small number of states have prohibited patients from processing from possessing, excuse me, or inhaling herbal forms of cannabis, instead requiring participants to orally consume cannabis-derived oils or pills containing extracts of the whole plant. Normal opposes these arbitrary limits on patients' choices. Limiting patients' options to extracted oral formulations is not in the best interest, not in their best interest. Herbal cannabis contains more than a hundred distinct cannabinoids, unique physiologic physically physically physiologically active components of the plant many of which act synergistically with one another moreover the plant's oil contains numerous terpenes that also possess a wide variety of therapeutic effects many scientists now believe that the combined administration of all of these parts of the plant produce a synergistic effect that is necessary in order for patients to achieve maximum therapeutic effect as acknowledged by the famed neurosurgeon, Dr. Sanjay Gupta, quote, all components of the cannabis plant likely exert some therapeutic effect, more than any single compound alone. Unlike other drugs that may work well as single compounds, synthesized in a lab, cannabis may offer its most profound benefit as a whole plant. If we let the entourage effect flower, restricting patients patients' access to herbal cannabis limits their exposure to these therapeutic properties, as many constituents are no longer present in in the formulations produced by following the extraction of individual cannabinoids. 
Furthermore, oral administered non-herbal forms of cannabis possess delayed onset and their effects are far less predictable than those of herbal cannabis. Once inhaled, cannabinoids like THC and CBD may pass through the lungs from the lungs to the bloodstream, resulting in rapid onset drug effect. By contrast, pills must be metabolized by the liver over a period of up to seven hours before the patient experiences any therapeutic effects. The delayed onset and the high d degree of variability of drug effect may, excuse me, makes it extremely difficult for a patient to accurately self-regulate their dosing. As a result, many patients seeking rapid relief of symptoms such as pain, nausea, spasticity will not particularly benefit from cannabis-infused pills, tinctures, edibles. While concerns with regards to potential risks associated with cannabis smoke exposure are understandable, they are largely not evidence-based. Cannabis smoke exposure, even long-term, is not associated with the same sort of detrimental effects as tobacco exposure. Specifically, longitudinal trials do not show a causal, a casual link between cannabis smoke exposure and lung cancer, COPD, or detrimental effects of pulmonary function. Also, patients' exposure to unwanted combustion, combustive gases may read, read, readily be mitigated by the use of a vaporizer, a device which eats herbal cannabis to a point where cannabis vapors form, but below the point of combustion thereby reducing the intake of combustible smoke or other pollutants such as carbon monoxide or tar. In clinical trials, researchers have acknowledged that such devices are a safe and effective method for delivering cannabis to patients. Finally, the bulk of clinical trials establishing cannabis safety and efficacy have been conducted using inhaled whole plant herbal cannabis. By contrast, Alternative formulations of cannabis and administrative routes may remain largely untested and unproven. Patients must not be forced to pay unreasonable taxes and fees. The commercial production and retail sale of recreational cannabis in legal jurisdictions is presently subject to both excise and sales taxes, similar to other commercial group goods. However, such taxation generally does not apply to activities involving the production and retail sale of medical cannabis to state qualified patients. Patients, many of who are on disability and or fixed income, should not be seen by lawmakers as a viable source of tax revenue. Therefore, any proposed taxes and regulatory fees placed upon cannabis production and sales must be normal. This will ensure that legal cannabis products do not remain out of reach from those patient populations that need them the most. Further, it will ensure that market prices remain low enough as to not incentivize patients to obtain cannabis from the black or gray market. The qualifying list and conditions must be expansive and must allow for physicians the options to recommend cannabis therapy for treatment of chronic pain. Cannabinoids must be shown effect to Cannabinoids have been shown to effectively and safely treat a wide range of symptoms. In some cases, these compounds likely hold the potential to modulate the course of serious diseases. A literature review identifies over 140 clinical trials evaluating cannabinoid therapy for multiple serious chronic conditions, including multiple sclerosis, Tourette's syndrome, epilepsy, Crohn's disease, IBS, spinal cord industry, injury, and others. Consequently, physicians ought to be provided with wide latitude and discretion with regards to patients 
which regard to which patients believe in regard to which patients they believe in their expert opinion would benefit from cannabis treatment. Legislators and regulators should not duly interfere with the sanctity of the doctor-patient relationship or in any way impede physicians from providing what they believe to be the best course of treatment for their patients. To date, the largest number of controlled clinical trials specific to the use of medical cannabis to effectively mitigate pain conditions, especially treatment-resistant neuropathy. A recent review of the scientific trials by the National Academy of Scientists, Medicine, and Engineering acknowledged that conclusive evidence exists to support the use of cannabis and cannabinoids for the treatment of chronic pain in adults. Multiple studies further show that patients with legal cannabis often use it as a substitute for the use of more dangerous opioids. In jurisdictions that regulate medical cannabis experience far low ra rates of opioid-related mortality and overall prescription drug spending in than in states that do not. As evidence, no, as a result, no evidence-based medical cannabis program ought to place limitations with regards to the use of cannabis as an anal anal analgesic. Probably butchering that. Registered patients ought to have legal option to cultivate personal use quantities of cannabis in their own private residence. So Virginia's push for this, push for home grow. You have unified control, you can do that. Patients are legally permitted to cultivate personal use quantities of medical cannabis in half of the jurisdictions that regulate its use and distribution. In almost all cases, these provisions have led to few incidences of abuse or diversion. In, in no instance has a legislator moved to eliminate patients' home grow rights in a jurisdiction that previously permitted such an activity. Nonetheless, lawmakers in several states in recent years have elected to move forward medical cannabis programs that explicitly prohibit patients from engaging in home cultivation. Normal opposes this position. Normal maintains that disallowing patients to engage in personal cultivation in cannabis is an arbitrary prohibition that has absolutely no basis in public safety. Normal supports the right of individuals to grow their own cannabis as an alternative to purchasing from licensed commercial producers. Normal maintains that the inclusion of legislative provisions protecting the non-commercial home cultivation serves as a leverage to assure that product available at retail stores is high quality, safe, and affordable. Further, many patients respond best to specific strains of the cannabis plant permitting select patients the option to produce these specific strains at home assures that they will have an uninterrupted and cost-effective supply of their medicine that is best suited for their own specific therapeutic needs. Finally, it must be acknowledged that the timeline between the passage of a medical marijuana program and the operation of state-licensed cannabis dispensaries is often several years. Patients who would otherwise benefit from legal medical cannabis access should not be forced to go without their medicine during this period. Allowing state-qualified patients the ability to home cultivate medical cannabis provides patients with the immediate access they need and deserve. When January starts up and, and the delegates and the Senate, the Dem Senate, Senate senators are seated, that'd be one of the first things I would push for if I was a patient in, in the state of Virginia. Their, their dispensaries are not slated to open until sometime next year. Um, 
and it could be it could be months into 2020 that that the patients actually have access to their product so for the time being it should home growth should very well be pushed and it should be one of the first things that patients push it should be i i would say i would argue it should be top on the list on the letter of things you push for when you're you're writing to your 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 senators and your delegates to improve the program but let's continue patients should not face either workplace discrimination or sanctions solely based on their medical cannabis status regular patients should not be forced to choose between medicine and gainful employment just as employers would not be permitted to fire or refuse to hire an employee due to their physician authorized use of opioids or other conventional medication those who legally engage in cannabis therapy should not arbitrarily face discrimination for activity that is unrelated to their work performance such as testing for carboxy thc an inert metabolite of thc that may be detectable for several months post abstinence on a drug screen in recent months courts in two medical cannabis states connecticut and massachusetts have upheld state wide legislative protections shielding employers from taking punitive actions against medical cannabis patients and many states now impose similar provisions as part of their medical cannabis regulations patients should not be withheld medical treatment in hospitals such as being denied organ transplants solely based on their status as a medical marijuana patient there are numerous examples of patients being arbitrarily denied medical treatment from hospitals because of their status as medical cannabis patients. In many cases, patients requiring organ transplants are refused services. Scientific reviews find no negative association between a cannabis use history and an organ transplant survival rates. As a result, various states such as California and Maine have in recent years enacted statutory language explicitly prohibiting hospitals from arbitrarily withholding services from patients solely because of a marijuana cannabis status below are examples of key normal key provisions normal supports patients should not face a loss of child custody based on their status as medical cannabis patient patients should not be subject to housing discrimination solely based upon their status as medical cannabis patients Cannabis and cannabis-derived products provided at state dispensaries must be subject to adequate testing for quality, potency, pesticides, and adulterants. Cannabis product packaging must prominently display accurate information with regards to cannabinoid content and potency. To ensure that, that market demand is adequately met and registered patients have convenient access to medical cannabis products, regulate, regulators should not impose arbitrary caps on the number of licenses available for content producers, manufacturers, or dispensing facilities. End of article. Know that that was quite a slog and that was quite a long read, but um, we we definitely need to sort of have organized talking points as to what we don't want. And I I read this I read this article like um, last year um, in our previous episode on advocating for an ideal medical marijuana program um i'm gonna read this again as um as i do feel we have to have organized talking points and i need to be better at it too as well too so so we can so 
we are prepared when we go and talk to our lawmakers. We're organized when we go and talk to our lawmakers and we know exactly what we want. If you have 10,000 people, 20,000 people, 100,000 people writing to their lawmakers with these with the same exact talking points on medical marijuana or decrim or expungement or adult use, um, you're going to have a lot of you're going to have progress. You're going to have lawmakers and delegates are they can't say that this is a fringe issue they can't say it's a deadhead issue they can't just say it's it's a small minority of people writing to them anymore um if we even if, even if we're the same minority that continues writing to their lawmakers even if we're the same small percentage of people of 20 percent of, of people i think some like 20 percent of people in, in legal states are the in legal states use on a regular basis if those if that small 20% of people have the same exact talking points and had the same exact um, points to make to their lawmakers with regards to cannabis reform, if we're, we all come correct and we all come organized, even for just a small number, even if it's just 10,000 of us in a state, or even it's just, you know, um, in most states where you have medical, you have maybe three, three and a half percent of, of, of people in that state joining the program if all three percent of people have organized talking points like this we could never we will we'd never get shut down again or our issues would never get dismissed again and we would get all that we want so it's very important we get message discipline and i'm going to be reading this i'm going to be reading this in the, a lot in the next couple of months when this applies so we can all sort of memorize the same talking points and we can all write to our, 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 our lawmakers in unison and in an organized and disciplined sense so we can get the reforms we want. But I do have one last thing that I want to talk about. And another thing that is key, that is fundamental, is preserving the sanctity of the Second Amendment in light of having a medical marijuana card um states like oklahoma have been very successful at doing this um when we write to our lawmakers that that absolutely should be included especially in a in a state like virginia where a lot of people are gun owners and that 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 is a, a lot of the culture and you know it's 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 a it's a sarcastic right that can't really be touched and nor should it be but I, I, I definitely think now that we have the leverage and now that we have unified control of government, we can push for that right as well too. Um, I mean, it's not something we should. It's not something we should have to really push for because it's, it's, it's it should be inherent in the Constitution in theory. But because of the federal government, um, not because of the federal government the atf have you know culture posturing you know this this has this right has to be re-enshrined with medical marijuana patients depending on the state again we know that um oklahoma is already taking care of this through their unity bill last year and we also know that in florida um the the um the agricultural commissioner who ran on a cannabis platform Commissioner Nikki Freed, she's a concealed carry gun owner and 
she's a medical marijuana patient and she ran on an unabashedly medical marijuana platform um in 2018 and won, won and ended up winning she was the only dem that ended the only dem in um executive office that that won their seat gillum didn't couldn't really pull through as we saw last year but um again um states like florida and oklahoma have gotten this handled um I'm going to I'm going to put examples in the um in in the description to check out. But again, the the Second Amendment is 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 a right that every every man and woman in this country or non-binary person should have. And I'm I'm, I'm very pro Second Amendment for someone who's a progressive. And I'm just gonna leave it at that because I, I I tend to get in trouble when I talk too much about politics. But um this should definitely be something you guys push for now that you have the power and the leverage right now. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about that one more thing, but, um, without, without further ado, um, that's, that's, that's all I wanted to sort of add to this. And, um, sorry, I couldn't put that in the original video, but it is added to this now. So, um, you know, hope this brainstorming session helped you guys and peace. If you find yourself coming around often to my podcast and want to support our humble little project, there are a few ways that you can do so. Supporting us helps us keep the lights on, pay rent, pay for housing and equipment, and travel. You can do this by going to www.anchor.fm slash Sativa podcast slash support. You can also support me now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash I see Sativa podcasts. You can also support the podcast for as little as $1 a month. If you are feeling extra generous, we have $5 and above tiers. Additionally, if you wish to get in contact with us, you can leave me a voice message on Anchor. You can do this by going to www.anchor.fm slash I am Canvas Sativa podcast and click the send voice message button and I may just play it on a future episode. You can also call and leave a voice message at the phone number 617-466-9389. That is 617-466-9389, and I may just play it on a future episode. If you are in need of some good CBD products, you can also check out Sequoia Organics for a great source of CBD and hemp products. You can check them out by checking out this link, um, www.bit.ly slash 33FKRV9. And you can try the following coupon codes. Dog Treat 20, Tincture 20, 40% sign off ISO, and 15% sign off CBD. And you can use those codes to get a discount on various CBD products on their website. And if you're looking to get inexpensive CBD flour delivered to your door quickly and cheaply in New England, check out bostonhempire.com where you can get frequent sales on CBD flour and other products such as tinctures and edibles as well too. Boston Hempire will get you cheap CBD flour delivered to your door in New England and the rest of the United States for a very, very good price. And I highly recommend their products too.
feel free to enter the URL HTTPS colon slash slash shop dot Boston dot com slash question mark REF equals D Scotland. Peace out and ciao.